This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We are pleased to announce at the onset that we have received phone calls in the past week from both the President of Mexico and the leadership of the Boy Scouts in America telling us that last week's program was probably probably the best radio program ever. And if you can't find proof of that while fact-checking, it's no doubt because the mainstream media is conspiring against us. As you are probably aware, we are alluding to our president, Donald J. Trump, and some of the statements he's made of late, which appear to be, well, let's just say, utter falsehoods. And while we're not that hip to the whole thing about the president of Mexico, we did obtain <laughs> a transcript of the president's speech to the Boy Scouts. And it's, it's, it's so remarkable that I think we're going to have to excerpt from that a little bit later in the program. And while there is, I guess you'd say, usual way we conduct this show, uh, it's summer, we're relaxed, we're kicking back a little... I think what I'm going to do instead is just take the methods that we use, toss them in a hat, and just pull out segments as as they arise. In that spirit, let's just cut right now to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's do a few of these. And in fact, I've come across an archive of some of our uh, good, bad, and ugly segments dating back 10 or 12 years. And I think we're going to review some of those just for the sheer hell of it. According to The Week magazine, and this is a follow-up from a piece we did a couple of weeks back, it is a good week currently for armchair analysis with the news that the American Psychoanalytic Association has now informed its members that they are free to publicly offer their opinions on the mental health of President Trump. Since, quote, Trump's behavior is so different from anything we've ever seen, unquote. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for Justin Bieber after officials in China banned the pop star from performing in the country in an effort to, quote, purify, unquote, the nation and protect it from, quote, Badly behaved entertainers, unquote. And you know, we wish China all the luck in the world in trying to rein in badly behaved entertainers. And Mr. Millen, we need some appropriate music, I think, for this, uh, this next item. Yes, we have to say it was an ugly week this past week for Peter Frampton, who stormed off a Minnesota stage this past week, furious that a cameraman showed a crowd shot on the giant video screen instead of his guitar solo. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, 
Frampton, age 67, became irate when the crowd shot prompted cheers during the lengthy solo. Concert goers said he cursed and tried to wrestle the camera away from the cameraman before making an angry exit. Frampton then came back and finished his set with the screens shut off. He did later tweet an apology saying, I had to give you all the show you deserved and things beyond my control changed. And no, we're not sure what he meant by that either. And finally, we'd have to say it was both a bad and ugly week last week for the Boy Scouts of America, but we're going to defer that one for a few more minutes. As mentioned, I found a treasure trove of former good, bad, and ugly items, which we used, oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And I, I think it'd be worth a few minutes of humorous interlude to go back and take a look at some of those. All right, we're just going to throw a bunch of these together from, from past years, and uh, I sometimes identify them as good or bad or ugly, and sometimes give you the year. It's kind of a mixed bag, but let's, let's just plunge, take the plunge here. Starting with an item here from 06, noting that it was a good week for the war on drugs after the World Chess Federation announced that at this week's Asian Games, players must for the first time submit to drug testing. Puzzled chess officials admitted they didn't know which drugs to test for. Said one, I would not know which drug could possibly help a chess player improve his game. One does have to speculate a bit about the use of amphetamines, but, uh, well, we're not experts. How about this item from 04? It was decided at that time that it was a good week for doing shots after Mikhail Kalashnikov the inventor of the AK-47 launched a new vodka brand titled Kalashnikov. Said the inventor, I've always wanted to improve and expand on the good name of my weapon by doing good things. Yes, apparently among those good things are now a mixture of alcohol and automatic weapons. It was also a good week, this is back in 05, for the indomitable human spirit. Notes the report, startled truckers in Germany reported an 80-year-old man was riding an electric wheelchair on the highway. After a brief pursuit at speeds of up to six miles per hour, the suspect was apprehended by police and returned to his local retirement home. All right, here's an item also from 04. We'd have to note that it was an ugly week. This week back in 04 for rehabilitation with the news that former KKK leader David Duke, who just finished serving a prison sentence for fraud, was allowed to meet his parole requirement by working for a, quote, white civil rights, unquote, group. Boy, here's a notable week back in April of 04. It was felt that it was a good week that week for greed with the news that Bob Dylan, who had long sustained commercial endorsements, had begun appearing in a TV commercial for Victoria's Secret. As a model, cavorts in bra, panties, and spike heels, the then 60-year-old Dylan croaks the song Lovesick. It should be noted it was considered a bad week for nerves that same week, with the news that hundreds of Washington, D.C. residents were panicked by seeing F-16 fighter jets flying low over the Capitol. The flights were part of a publicity campaign to assure residents that the military was protecting them. Boy, and back in August of 05, it was a bad week for several things. 
was considered a bad week for the phrase, till death do us part, with the news that after a man pulled away from a gas station in Perez Pesetto, Italy, he realized only some six hours and 200 miles later that he had, in fact, forgotten his wife, who was using the restroom. That same week was, was judged a bad week for overdoing it after a 28-year-old Korean man collapsed and died, died following a 50-hour video game session. Police said, we presume the cause of death was heart failure stemming from exhaustion. Personally, Radio Parallax would like to award that man, whoever he was, a Darwin Award for his efforts to improve the human gene pool by taking himself out of it. (laughs) It was reportedly a good week for cows one week back in 2005 with the news that Russian authorities announced that bales of confiscated marijuana will be fed to cattle over the winter. (laughs) said one Russian official. I don't know what the milk will be like after this. Here's one from just a year ago that's still reverberating. It was surely an ugly week for foreign ticket sales. With the news that Qatar's World Cup organizers announced that drinking will be banned during the 2022 soccer tournament. Said one official, there will be no alcohol consumption on the streets, squares, and public places, and that is final. All right, here's a week back in 2006, which is pretty much of a barn burner. We'd have to say, looking at it, that it was judged a good week for thinking outside the box. With a report of a study in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, which suggests that the health and behavior of homeless alcoholics can be improved by giving them access to a steady supply of free booze. We suspect the same principle could also apply to people who are not homeless alcoholics. We have a sneaking suspicion there'd be a downside to it. And speaking of alcohol, that same week it was judged to be a good week for drunks in space, with the news that the Russians have proposed permitting drinking on the International Space Station. said one Russian official, a small ration of alcohol would help restore their strength, unquote. No word on whether the Russians are contemplating using Kalashnikov brand vodka. And my God, what a week that was. It was judged um, that same week, a bad week for the traditional definition of marriage after a woman married a male dolphin named Cindy in a ceremony in Israel. The ceremony ended with bride Sharon Tetler kissing Cindy's snout, whispering I love you into his blowhole and jumping fully clothed into his tank for an embrace. And you know, we can't think of a single wisecrack to tack onto that one. They called him Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. And we know Flipper lives in a world full of wonder, flying there under. <laughs> well, thank you for that audio wisecrack, Mr. McMillan. All right, we're still back in 06. This is a good one. It was judged uh, that week in April of 06, a decidedly bad week for feminism, 
with the news that a new high school textbook in the Indian state of Rajasthan compared housewives to donkeys. The textbook instructs, in fact, the donkey is a shade better. You'll never catch a donkey being disloyal to his master. This week back in 06 was surely a bad week for Nigerian soccer fans. After it was announced that referees in Nigeria were allowed to accept bribes from teams as long as the bribes don't influence their decisions. Fanny Amun, that's the name, Fanny Amun, described as Secretary General of the Nigerian Football Association, (laughs) said referees should only pretend to fall for the bait, but make sure the results don't favor those offering the bribe. Now, we've, we've had passing discussions in this program before about Nigeria. And, and while we can't say with any degree of certainty that Nigeria is surely among the world's most corrupt states, that little item is a reminder that, well, it, it, just, it just might be. This is a place where referees are allowed to accept bribes as long as the bribes don't influence their decisions. Of course, this reminds me here in the States of the time when then-Speaker Willie Brown was accused of influencing legislation in favor of the tobacco companies because he had accepted something like two or $300,000 from them before he put the kibosh on legislation moving through Sacramento that would have uh, restricted smoking. Brown or Brown's office, I forget which, later claimed there was no connection between the two events and all they were buying with that money was access. Oh, and by the way, our, our interview with the always entertaining... Willie Brown, is available on our archives at info at radioparallax.com. We kind of think that when they made Willie, they broke the mold. All right, a couple more, and then we'll, we'll call it a day here. Uh, back in 05, we had an item describing how it was definitely a bad week for shopping till you drop after firefighters arrived to tackle a blaze at a smoke-filled Maryland convenience store and were astonished to find that shoppers were still waiting in the checkout line. A cashier was quoted saying, The store is on fire! Hello? Alright, and I've got a final item here that the date was cut off on, so we're not sure. It probably dates from around 2004. It was noted at that time that it was a good week for getting even, with the report that a seven-year-old Wisconsin girl had called police to report that her grandfather was cheating at cards. Reportedly, the Wisconsin police decided not to charge either party. And uh, one final item, it had to be an ugly week in whatever year this was for neutrality, with the news that a group of Swiss soldiers had accidentally invaded Liechtenstein during a night training exercise. (laughs) The government of Liechtenstein Population 34,000 said it hadn't even noticed the incursion across its borders. Said a government spokesman, it's not like they stormed over here with attack helicopters, unquote. Now, it seems to us here at Radio Parallax that when men dressed in dark clothes come across your border at night yodeling, you should be suspicious. And just to show you how loose we're going to be on today's uh, program, the next thing we're going to jump into is... That wonderful section that occasionally appears in the week titled The Last Word. This one comes from several weeks ago. The Last Word title at that time was Why Crooks Are Stealing Pistachios. Journalist Peter 
Vigneron noted that in California's Central Valley, millions of dollars worth of almonds, walnuts, and pistachios are disappearing without a trace. Now, the question immediately arises, who would steal nuts? Well, it turns out that they're worth a lot of money. In 2014, the American Pistachio Growers Association reported industry-wide sales of more than $1.6 billion dollars. By the way, 99% of of America's pistachios are grown in California. They're very thirsty. And the California Water Project, well, the California Water Projects, both state and federal, divert an awful lot of the precious commodity to the growing of pistachios. That's a discussion for another day. But uh, the last word piece describes how this sort of thing is done. They describe a date in 2013, when an orange Freightliner tractor trailer arrives at Crane Walnut Shelling in Los Molinos, California. The truck's driver, a man in his mid-30s wearing a gray t-shirt, introduces himself as Alex Hernandez, said he was from K&G Transport Services, a company contracted to take a load of Crane's Walnuts to Bulk Barn Foods Limited, a Canadian food retailer 2,600 miles away. Hernandez had arrived before the pickup had been scheduled, which made Crane's logistics director suspicious, but after double-checking the paperwork that he provided, she directed employees to load 630 cartons of walnuts worth $85,000 into Hernandez's trailer. At 12.06, Hernandez left Los Molinos, headed south through California's Central Valley into Glen County, where he picked up a second batch of walnuts from a processor called Carrier Family Farms. By Monday, June 24th, neither batch of walnuts had arrived in Canada. A representative from the shipping brokerage tried but failed to reach K&G and alerted Crane to the possibility that the nuts had been stolen. And this is evidently far from an isolated incident. The piece notes that as investigators probed this issue of K&G transport, the more they were convinced that the Crane theft was linked to a broader conspiracy. Email records for K&G revealed that someone had been accessing the company's accounts from public computers at libraries and internet cafes around Los Angeles. Cargo thieves often pose as legitimate companies and bid for shipping contracts on load boards, which are sort of like a Craigslist for truckers looking for jobs. A thief hoping to steal almonds might try to find transport jobs in nut-growing regions across the country, especially ones that ask truckers to be well-insured or to leave late in the week to give them a few extra days to get away. The piece goes on to explain how this fellow, Alex Hernandez, uh, due to an error that he made, did get busted. He was actually a parolee named Marco Alberto Garcia. Garcia elected not to cooperate with authorities, and the case was described as having gone cold pretty fast. The author then tracked down Mark Zavala, an LAPD detective widely regarded as the state's top cargo theft investigator. He explained that... The punishment for theft is nothing. There's minimal jail time. It's usually measured in weeks or months. The thieves not only understand this, but they make it complicated by stealing IDs. Anyway, who knew? We didn't. Stealing almonds, walnuts, and pistachios. A major criminal enterprise here in California's Central Valley. All right. President Trump made a speech to the Boy Scouts of America about a week ago. There was an interesting analysis on the internet by Chris Saliza of CNN that I, I think is worth repeating. Mr. Saliza decided to pick 29 moments in the speech that were, well, let's just say, especially odd. 
Now, I know that the president still has his supporters out there, but as time goes on, I think a lot of people are just starting to wonder, just wonder. At any rate, let's take some of those 29 moments and, and, and the comments that were made about them, starting with quote number one. Boy, you have a lot of people here. The press will say it's about 200 people. It looks like about 45,000 people. You set a record today. You set a record. Saliza noted that the Charleston Gazette estimated 40,000 people in the crowd, which is a lot. He noted that he was not sure that there was a, quote, record, unquote, attendance for a Boy Scout jamboree. But the Gazette also noted that press staff handling the, the event did not allow local media to bring film equipment into the amphitheater. Quote number two. I said, who the hell wants to speak about politics when I'm in front of the Boy Scouts, right? Saliza commented, well, Trump, apparently, he spent the vast majority of his speech jabbing at his political foes and recounting his 2016 successes. Quote number three. Today, I said we ought to change it, the word swamp, to the word cesspool, or perhaps to the word sewer. Saliza, remember, who the hell wants to speak about politics when I'm in front of the Boy Scouts? Quote four. Many of my top advisors in the White House were scouts. Ten members of my cabinet were scouts. Can you believe that? Ten. Saliza, one of them is Eagle Scout and Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who Trump neither brought along on the trip nor mentioned in his speech. Quote number five. Some of you are here tonight, might have even camped out in this yard when Mike was the governor of Indiana. But the scouting was very, very important. Saliza, your guess is as good as mine. Quote number six, we're doing a lot with energy, Saliza. This was part of Trump's introduction of Boy Scout and Energy Secretary Rick Perry, who was in attendance. Apparently, we are, quote, doing a lot, unquote, with energy. Quote seven, he better get them. Oh, he better. Otherwise, I'll say, Tom, you're fired. I'll get somebody. Saliza, this, quote, unquote, joke was directed at Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price, who was awkwardly standing on the stage next to Trump. It came amid Trump's public effort to force Sessions to resign in less than a week after Trump threatened Senator Dean Heller, Representative of Nevada, on health care. Quote number eight. As the scout law says, a scout is trustworthy, loyal. We could use some more of that loyalty, I will tell you that. Saliza, is this about Sessions, Republicans in the Senate on health care, staffers leaking to reporters, all the above? Quote number nine, I'm waving the people back there so small, I can't even see them. Man, this is a lot of people. Saliza, this has to be a record, right? Skipping ahead to quote number 12, I'll tell you a story that's very interesting for me when I was young. There was a man named William Levitt. Levitt Towns, you have some here. You have some in different states. Saliza, this is my favorite part of the entire Trump speech. He regales a crowd of kids, most of whom are teenagers, about life in New York in the, in the post-World War II age. Nothing like knowing your audience. Quote 13. Oh, you're Boy Scouts, but you know life. You know life. So, look at you. Saliza responds with just a series of question marks. Quote 14. He so badly wanted it. He got bored with his life on yachts and sailing and all the things he did in the south of France and other places. Saliza's response. Same. Quote 15, and in the end he failed, and he failed badly. Lost all of his money. So Liz's comment, aim for the stars, kids. <laughs> Trump, quote 16, 
I saw him at a cocktail party, and it was very sad because the hottest people in New York were at the party. Saliza, again, Trump speaking to a crowd of teenagers and recounting his glory days in New York high society decades before they were born. Trump quote 17, you have to know whether or not you continue to have the momentum. And if you don't have it, that's okay, because you're going to go on and you're and you're going to do things that are great. Saliza's comment, momentum is the key. Having it is everything. If you don't have it, though, everything is still going to be great. Quote 18, I have to tell you, our economy is doing great. Saliza, for the 80th time, Trump is speaking to tens of thousands of teenagers. Quote 19, do we remember that date? Was that a beautiful date? What a date. Saliza, he's talking about Election Day 2016, because of course he is. Skipping to quote 21, and you know, we have a tremendous disadvantage in Electoral College. Popular vote is much easier. Saliza, who the hell wants to talk about politics when I'm in front of the Boy Scouts? Skipping ahead to 26. And by the way, under the Trump administration, you'll be saying Merry Christmas again when you go shopping. Believe me, Merry Christmas. Saliza, Trump gave this speech on July 24th. Finally, the last two, number 28 from Trump. I promise you that you will live Scouting's adventure every single day of your life. And you will win, 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 and help people in doing so. Saliza, so much winning, you'll be bored by all of the winning. And final quote, number 29 from Trump. I've known so many great people. Saliza, the best people, believe me. Anyway, I think we'll leave, anyway, I think we will leave it up to the American Psychoanalytic Association for further comments upon this curious speech. We do want to thank Richard for uh, shooting us uh, a correspondence noting that scout leaders have denied that they called Trump to praise his speech. According to the piece, Trump told the Wall Street Journal in an interview According to the piece, Trump told the Wall Street Journal in an interview last Wednesday, I got a call from the head of the Boy Scouts saying it was the greatest speech that was ever made to them and they were very thankful. But, of course, it turns out that the Boy Scouts have officially denied that the head of the youth organization called the president to praise his recent politically aggressive speech to its national jamboree. Noted the Scouts, we were unaware of any such call. What's curious to me, at the bottom of the article, it notes that the White House has, in fact, acknowledged that top Scout leaders did not call Trump. All right, we got to take a break in a minute, and I'm feeling I'm feeling somewhat addled and confused after all of that. Although Mr. Millen assures me that we have a call on line one telling me this was, in fact, the greatest speech we've ever given here on Radio Parallax. Now, we did send someone down to a little meeting in Southern California last week to see if they could get a word in with political hitman Roger Stone. And, in fact, our correspondent Bruce Bronstein succeeded in getting about 90 seconds of sound bites with Mr. Stone, I think I'll put that off to our our second segment. And note that at that same gathering, he was asked what he thought of Anthony Scaramucci. Roger Stone responded, Andrew Dice Scaramucci? I love the guy. Well, unfortunately, it turns out that Mr. Stone, although he apparently is influential in the Trump White House, did not have enough influence to 
<laughs> hold Mr. Scaramucci into his job, which he, in fact, lost after 10 days. In fact, he lost the job before he officially was given the job. Anyway, as far as we know, Scaramucci's uh, characterization of, uh, of, of Rents Priebus was so out of bounds that, that even, even the Trump people had to disavow it. Uh, we don't have it in front of us, but we, we think it was on the lines of the fact that Rince Priebus was an effing paranoid schizophrenic. And, and, and we think he meant that in a bad way. Anyway, going back to that Goldwater rule where, where people in the mental health professions are, are refusing to comment from an ethical standpoint about public officials because they feel that unless they've examined them personally, they shouldn't make such comments. That seems to be breaking down in light of the fact that White House officials themselves seem to be making such labels and tacking them on to other White House officials.